just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. Tickets to the Sundance Film Festival go on sale tomorrow, and I think the best tips on how to make the most of the glitzy celebration in our own backyard come from former Sundance staffers, like me and my friend Daniela. So here are some local do's and don'ts for an affordable, frustration-free week, and a few predictions on the festival's future. It's Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Daniela Weinreich, you and I were colleagues at the Sundance Film Festival, but now we're just friends and Salt Lakers. I think there are a lot of missed opportunities for Salt Lakers to have fun at Sundance. So as former staffers, I think we should peel back the curtain a little bit on some of our tips and tricks. What's on your list? What do you advise? Well, I always recommend staying in Salt Lake. Park City is the big sparkly ticket item, but it's kind of a mess up there. And there's so many great screenings here in Salt Lake, right downtown at the Broadway and other places. I totally agree. I feel like maybe if it's your first time ever going to Sundance, it's worth it to go up to Park City for one day just to walk Main Street and like feel the energy and like see all the little activations. Absolutely. There's so many installations and activations that are super fun to take a part of. But if you're just trying to see a just trying to see a cool new movie, then I'd try to utilize the Salt Lake theaters. And if you do go up to Park City, certainly remember all of the good transportation options like taking the bus instead of trying to find parking. Oh, yeah. Plus that Park City bus system's amazing. And I think they're like solar power. <laughs> yeah, they've really, the transport department's really got it going on. They will get you where you need to go. Totally. Okay, another one that I have is that I feel like there's a glitz and glam around the festival that is alluring and exciting. But at the end of the day, like making Sundance about trying to get into parties instead of watching movies, I think is just going to exhaust you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The parties are for the industry. You know, most of the industry people are here to buy and sell and network. And the parties are not for your average bear. So it's certainly more fun just to watch the movies and get your bang for your buck that way. Yeah. And on that note of like the parties and industry and this, I feel like there have been moments where I've made exceptions to this rule, but my general approach to the program tends to be not to lean into the celebrity-filled rosters or celeb-directed movies. Like, if a movie has nine A-list celebrities in it and it's premiering at Sundance, there is a chance that that's because it's not very good. Or there's a guarantee that that movie will get distributed, good or not. There's a good chance that you're yeah. going to see it on one of the streamers, if not in theaters, pretty soon. So I totally agree. Um, 
The beauty of Sundance is the spotlight that it allows for these kind of weird, foreign, experimental, really original indie films. And the caveat with that is sometimes if these films don't get distribution, they slip away and may not be able to be seen or accessed easily ever again. Um, So I always try and find some weird or experimental foreign art films that this may be um, the only chance to get to see. Um, Whereas you know, the new Jesse Eisenberg film, like, or the Will Ferrell documentary that's coming out this year, you're going to see that no matter what, Sundance or not. Yeah. I mean, it feels like whenever we get the program, the premieres category gets a lot of attention because those are, I don't know, like this year, like there's a Sue Bird documentary in the premieres category. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see that. But it's also being distributed, I think, by Apple TV eventually. And so like... Absolutely. It's always the hot ticket items. You know, there's a Pedro Pascal movie this year. Um, there's the Devo documentary. <laughs> That's kind of the shiny, shiny bits. But um, some of the more niche categories, you can find some gems that may be a little bit more elusive after the festival. Can you make the case for the next category? Because I feel like even I, as someone who loves movies and has worked at festivals, tend to shy away from those. It's going to be a little unhinged in the next category, always. (laughs) But that is the beauty of it, right? It's kind of this space where experimental or not conforming narratives or even some documentaries can kind of get the chance to play. So I wouldn't say it's for the faint of heart and maybe not for young kids because you never know what you're going to get. But if you're just out for a fun, absolutely different filmic experience, I would say jump headfirst into the next category. Sometimes if given the opportunity, don't even look up the film at all. Just go in blind and get totally surprised. Yeah. Another tip that comes up a lot is like movies sell out quickly. Again, like if you really want to see that hot ticket items, don't be afraid to use the waitlist function. There's always a Sundance Film Festival app. It's always released a little bit before the fest starts. And this is another thing. Like if you're new to the Sundance Film Festival, you should know this. You want to get to the theater basically one hour before your movie. Because if you arrive after the start time of your movie, you will not get in. Like they will let the waitlist in, even if you are holding a ticket in your hand. God is my witness. I have watched so many people angrily storm away from a Sundance screening holding tickets because they treated it like a traditional theater and showed up like five minutes late and thought, we're missing the preview. (laughs) It's great. Right. Yeah. And that's like, you know, yeah. And honestly, like the lines are kind of part of the fun and they do move fast like you want to get your spot you want to save your queue especially if you're utilizing the waitlist function and honestly if you get in line that early you are kind of guaranteeing your butt in a seat yeah totally like if you waitlist and you're there on time you have really good odds of getting into a movie because when they sell public tickets in the theater it's like a percentage of seats is held for pass holders, for press, for like whatever, friends and family of the director. And if they don't fill, then they get turned over to the public. So there was a time I remember one time hearing something float around the Institute that it's like almost half or a quarter of the theater is held for pass holders. So waitlisting is a great way to get into something that's already sold out. Absolutely. In years past, I've certainly known that to be true, where there, there are usually spots available for the wait list. So chances are if you're in that queue, you have a really good, good chance of getting in. Yeah. Okay. 
So with those kind of tucked in the back of our minds, you and I are here to play amateur film critic a little bit and make some recommendations for folks who are looking at the program, which, I mean, we heard from the, I think the festival director or the director of programming that they had the most submissions ever this year, and yet it is the smallest program, which kind of bodes well for the selections. Um, But I want to know, before we get into it, what kind of like film critic are you? Like, what gets you going? Well, as you know, I work in the film industry uh, professionally in the art department. So I always get super ramped up with like radical set design when someone uses in color intentionally. I'm always tuning into things that either have a sci-fi flair or a period piece that I really want to see how Mm. they achieve these like new indie darling ideas. I like to see the new worlds built. So if I see a tagline that says, you know, neon colors or intricate sets, I'm I'm usually mm-hmm. I'm usually there. One thing I love about Sundance is there's a lot of weird and there's a lot of darling. So I always try and work in a little bit of a feel-good documentary in there because there's just nothing like it. The Sundance documentary program at this point has to be its strongest program. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's start there. What docs are on your list this year? In the world documentary category, I think they cover everything from AI, indigenous land battles, Himalayan moths. Like there really is something for everybody in this category. I think AI is going to be a huge theme in Sundance this year in in quite a different lot, a lot Hmm. of programs. Um, But the one that I am really excited about is Agent of Happiness. What's it about? So in Bhutan, there is a government initiative to measure happiness levels within the nation. And there are these agents that go out to audit the country's happiness. So we follow Uh. a happiness agent as they go about auditing the people of the high Himalayas to see how happy are they. I love this. This is fun because I feel like I hear people, I've heard people refer to the happiness index a lot. Like it's it's almost one of those like NPR stats. Yeah. Like people be like, you know, I heard. Have you heard about this thing? But I'm curious, like exactly how it's measured. Exactly. It's a very mountainous region. It's very peaceful people. So it'll be interesting um, kind of a day in the life of how to think and meditate and measure happiness. Fun. Okay. And then Eternal You is also on there going back to the AI themes where it's about all these startups who are trying to make avatars of past loved ones. So I think a lot of morality and uh, emotional effects of generative AI that kind of scares me a lot, but I'm ready. It is interesting to hear that there's a lot of AI in the slate. I was home recently over the holidays and my mom was saying that like she's like afraid of basically the singularity, which I don't think about often, but maybe I'm just like, too simple. Um, But I can see why indie filmmakers are thinking about robots a lot, especially with a year when we're coming out of negotiating around AI, taking the jobs or potentially, right, taking work away from screenwriters. Like, it's not surprising that it's on the mind in the industry. Last year, we kind of talked about the missing piece of New Frontiers, and it has kind of been VR has now shifted to AI. And so the two programs in the New Frontiers category this year are both AI experiences, one of one being a documentary that is created by generative AI, which will be different on every screening, as well as like an in-person femme afrofuturist robot cyborg that reads poetry but we're you know we're shying away from the <laughs> darling pods of 
the basement of the Ray, New Frontier, and kind of ushering in these AI programs. So it'll be interesting as these encroaching and polarizing views of AI get explored at Sundance this year. Yeah. And frankly, a lot more interesting to me than putting on a headset and like being dropped into a different setting. Like that kind of VR slash AI experience never really spoke to me personally. Like mostly I kind of would just get dizzy. So it's interesting to see it take on a new form because VR was the darling of the festival circuit for a hot minute there. It was, but I wonder, you know, staying true to new frontiers, I wonder if this category is going straight to the top to try and foster in AI, but from an artistic perspective. So it'll be interesting to see how the audience reacts. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay, what else is on your list? Well, since you talked about next, my pick from the next category is called The Realm of Satan directed by Scott Cummings, and it is, there's not a ton of info about it, but an experimental portrait of Satanists in everyday and extraordinary. So it seems really far out there, maybe funny, maybe grotesque, kind of mysterious all around, and I'm so here for it. Wait, a portrait of Satan, like the man himself? Perhaps his followers? (laughs) I think it's, uh, yes, Satanists, maybe Satan's in there too. Oh, Satanists. Yes. Um, anywhere okay. from the fantastical to the mundane. So it should be a odd and macabre ride. I mean, one of the most popular films at Sundance a couple years ago was that Penny Lane documentary, Hail Satan. So fun. 
which I remember watching at the Broadway. I snuck in last minute and like sat in the very front row. And that was fun. Like that was a really, I mean, spoiler alert in the end, it seems like maybe Satanists aren't that. Yeah. So we'll see if uh, (laughs) we'll see if this movie uh, reaffirms that or just takes us on a totally different ride. Yeah. There was a movie in the um, U.S. dramatic competition category that really caught my eye. I wonder if it's on your list called Love Me. Oh, that one didn't make my shortlist. Lay it on me. It didn't make your shortlist? Okay. It's the Kristen Stewart, Steven Yeun movie, which these are both actors that I love. And here I go, disrupting my whole philosophy of don't watch the celebrity like riddled films. But this one is going to be a thinker. It's the satellite and a buoy, right? So exactly. Very high concept. Um, the programmers even said, that's, you know, that's kind of all the information we got. So I think it'll be a big yeah. collective experience. It'll be really fun to be an audience member in that one. Yeah. They fall, a buoy and a satellite fall in love. And they're described as star-crossed, web-paired, metallic protagonists. So could be a little, if not very, existential, which I'm always prepared to do in January. Absolutely. I think one I'm really excited about is... Layla, which is part of the world dramatic, which follows an Arab drag queen falling in love for the first time. Ah, we love love. Yeah. So a few, uh, some explorations of, you know, queer love and the sanctity of their queer spaces. And I think there's going to be a lot of like banger club hits. Like, I feel like there's going to be really good music in that one. Mm -hmm. A heavy soundtrack. Love a heavy soundtrack, especially if I'm going to see a movie in the theater. Like the sound experience is a huge piece of why I drag myself down instead of watching from the couch. Absolutely. Especially at the Ray Theater, which has Dolby Atmos. So it'll shake you to your bones. Yeah. Okay. Give me one more. Okay. So my favorite category every year is the Midnight's. I love a good spook. I love the late screenings. I love getting to the Egyptian and just getting into another world. And this one is called Crazy House. And it is a Dutch adult swim nightmare. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> so if you're familiar with Too Many Cooks or some of those late night adult swim shorts that are just so bizarre, edging on funny, I think this will be the film for you. It's stuck in a 90s sitcom world. A man realizes there are criminals in his house and it's going to be hilarious, unhinged, glorious, and depraved. And I cannot wait to see it. And gory, for sure. Absolutely. So buckle up. Yeah. No, I'm too much of a scaredy cat. I can't do it. Especially because the midnight category does not play. Like, it gets real twisty in a way that goes beyond the kind of, like, tricks that you'll find in traditional horror Absolutely. This one seemed like the most um, funny. But if you're looking for a good, Mm. not messing around kind of spook, I think this, the midnight category is the way to go. Okay. What are some of the big themes? Because I know you, and I know you've read this program, page one to page a million. Um, Like we said before, I think AI is a bit of a tie. There's quite a few projects this year that Mm. are exploring the fears and also the possibilities of AI this year. But again, it's always a spotlight. I think something that is always part of the Sundance themes are minority communities uh, telling stories through their own voice. So we have films talking about the refugee experience, indigenous land battles. Half of the films are directed by women, you know, so I think it's, as always, authentic storytelling. But no surprise there. It seems like also a lot of dads. There is a lot of dad themes this year. 
A lot of dad stories, like, and some that, I mean, I just, like, can read the log line and know that I'm going to cry really hard in them. Yes. But a lot of dads at Sundance this year. There are a lot of dads. That's a really good point. So bring your dad to Sundance. I don't know. (laughs) Bring your dad to Sundance. Honestly, that's a good tip. I feel like people might, for some reason, be more inclined to bring their mom to Sundance. But, like, bring your dad to Sundance. Bring your dad to Sundance. Okay, before I let you go, I do want to spend a little bit of time speculating about the future of this festival because, look, we're here because we love it. We want it to be successful. But we also have to be very honest. The world is changing. How do you think Sundance survives this virtual and streaming revolution on the note of AI being a theme? Right. So I I think right now we're experiencing a lot of streamer fatigue. There is a lot of almost frustration around these giant streaming services. They're changing the rules. They're changing their content. People can't find what they're looking for that was on one service to the next. And I think there will be, I say hopefully, a return to watching movies in the theater. So I actually think it's more hopeful than I've thought of in the past. Um, Like we saw with the submissions, a whopping over 17,000 submissions this year. I think people want the good content. So I hope that people will return to seeing movies at the theater. And in terms of Sundance itself, especially coming off of the wave of the labor and union strikes, there will be a gap for these streamers to have that content. So I think this year the the purchasing will be at an all-time high. I think some of these bigger conglomerates are going to be grabbing what they can because although there are talks and negotiations and hopefully things next year, rather this year, will be getting back to its normal shooting schedule, there will be certainly a gap in content due to the strike. So I think there's going to kind of be a grab for some of these um, fresh indie films. And there's also an episodic category this year. So we're kind of seeing, you know, content being made specifically for that. So that'll be interesting to see. It's fun to hear you predict that because it was not so long ago that one of the things that made Sundance so thrilling is that it was a true marketplace. And it still is in some sense. But when you like have streaming services showing up to Sundance with movies they've produced and are going to take online... It's very different from the days of like you're in the Egyptian for a premiere and like as the credits are rolling, people are running out of the theater on their phones starting to like make bids on a film like that feels so old timey. That's like I don't know. It feels like it's of an era of like the car phone. I know. (laughs) I know. But they're the same. I predict that this maybe this year and perhaps just this year we'll see maybe a a bit of a return to that as people are going to want to prepare for the film gap. I love that. I hope you're right. What's your dream for Sundance? It's the this year's what the fortieth anniversary. Yeah, where do they go? Where do they go now? I get really excited about the the grant programs and the labs programs that Sundance has had since the beginning. Um, I love when I see a darling documentary or a beautiful indie film, and I see that little timestamp of like Sundance helped us get there. So I really hope to see them continue to funnel in the indie storyteller and get people's voices on the screen. I think it's important now more than ever. Yeah. And I mean, you work in this industry in Utah, so I also have to imagine that you'd like to see more of those films being made here. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Indie Darlings are just so fun to work on. And it it, it costs so much to make a movie. Um, So I love to see the grant programs and and giving outreach to local filmmakers to – to get it all started. So I really hope to see more of that this year. Daniela Weinreich, 
former colleague of mine at the Sundance Film Festival, still working in movie making. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I love making an annual tradition of this with you. I know. I can't wait to uh, see some movies at the fest with you. Tickets to the Sundance Film Festival go on sale tomorrow morning, January 11th at festival.sundance.org. And may I make one more suggestion? If picking a single movie stresses you out, let the jurors and other audiences pick one for you. On Saturday, January 27th and Sunday, January 28th, the festival will screen award winners in Salt Lake and Park City. So from the jury's picks to audience awards, you know these will be the best or most beloved films of the week. And you can buy those tickets now, which means the movie you're seeing will be announced just before you enter the theater, thrilling, and it will be quote unquote vetted. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.